Well, you know, waste not, want not, haste makes waste. Those are all, those predate uh, the 21st century. Um, Canada's Auditor General has taken a really good look at all that money, $210 billion that Ottawa sent out at the height of the pandemic and made some pretty incredible, if unsurprising, findings if you've been following along. $210 billion in payments were distributed to individuals and businesses between early 2020 and mid-2022, all in an effort to try to avoid what was really the worst of the economic impacts of the pandemic. Uh, lots of people, you know, right across the country, people took advantage of I think CERB, actually, the most CERB payments went to Alberta, believe it or not. Um, so lots of people out there benefited from this. It was important that people be kept solvent, that businesses be kept solvent during the height of this. At the same time, though, how you pour money out the door matters when it comes to trying to figure out, A, where it all went, and B, how much of it do you actually need to take back or get back? So Karen Hogan, who is our Auditor General, says COVID-19 benefits were delivered quickly and helped mitigate economic suffering. However, the federal government hasn't done enough to recover overpayments. She says the programs delivered relief to workers and employers uh, and helped the economy rebound. At the same time, the report says that the Canada Revenue Agency and Employment and Social Development Canada, the two agencies responsible for this, have not followed up by verifying payments. She estimates $4.6 billion was paid to people who were not eligible. $4.6 billion. Another $27.4 billion. That's the minimum, by the way. $27.4 billion in payments to people and businesses should be, she said, further investigated. And it is all at risk of going uncollected again because those federal government agencies are doing a pretty poor job of identifying individuals and businesses that should be forced to pay back those funds. So what is the end result? of all of this. Joining me now with more on that is Ian Lee. He's an associate professor at Carleton University's Sprott School of Business. Uh, thank you so much. My pleasure, Ben. So uh, not entirely unexpected here. I guess what we did find out is that uh, for all intents and purposes, a lot of these uh, emergency income uh, relief was welcome, did what it was supposed to do, but an awful lot of money went out the door. It did. And, you know, I was very critical of it at the time. Not not the idea of helping people that needed help. I mean, I don't think that there was any decent human being that was opposed to helping those who needed help. But the, from the moment they announced it, and I remember in, in, it was early, late spring, early summer 2020, and I thought, you know, there's no checks and balances. When you say, you know, we'll worry about the checks and balances after we've given away the money, that's just a an open-ended uh, advertisement to some people to to come and scam the system. I'm not suggesting that everybody's a, a scammer or a scam artist, but, you know, Abraham Lincoln taught many, many people. He said, we are not all angels. And that's why we have checks and balances. And that's why we have due diligence. And that's why we have rules and so forth. And at the time, they said, well, we'll worry about that after the fact. We've got to get the money out the door. Uh, very quickly, why I disagreed with it at the time, and it's because I've been in Ottawa all my life, and I have friends in the government who worked many, many years in the government, including my late father, and I did my PhD in federal budgeting and public policy in the government. Right. I knew that, the, the, that we already have a system in Canada. It's called the Canada Revenue Agency. And because of, uh, a long time ago, a third of a century ago, some guy by the name of Mulroney <laughs> passed the GST. And to make it more palatable to critics, he said, look, don't worry, everybody. We're going to rebate uh, the GST to low-income Canadians through the tax system. 
And that became the infrastructure later in the early part of this new century. Uh, Governor Cathy, including revenue, uh, CRA, completely digitized everything. And where I'm going with this, last year, 30 and one, 30 and a half million, 31 million Canadians filed tax returns. And of course, in that tax return, you have to disclose your bank account, date of birth, address, homeowner, renter, the whole nine yards. And so the, the CRA has impeccable information on exactly how much we make where we live. And, and since the, uh, the rebate system was established, then the current government established rebates for carbon taxes. It works extremely well. It's very efficient. It's essentially reversing the pipeline flow of funds. Normally, the funds flow in to CRA from 31 million taxpayers and all the corporations that owe taxes. Mm-hmm. What they do with the rebate system is they just simply reverse the pipeline. So now the money is flowing from the CRA on behalf of the government to the the GST recipient or the carbon tax refund recipient. So the infrastructure is there and it's been there for for as long as we've had a tax system. And and so what they did at the time is they had to go and set up this temporary COVID benefits infrastructure system, took them three or four months. They didn't have checks and balances. And so they inevitably ended up overpaying billions and billions of dollars. And and Ben, the reason why that's problematic, I'm not suggesting that this is going to bankrupt the government of Canada. Absolutely not. What it does is it undermines the integrity of the tax system. And because what it's saying to Canadians and where Canadians are going to see this as is saying, look, there were people out there scamming the system and they got away with it. And I'm supposed to pay taxes and be honest and you know and all that good stuff. And yet there's other people scamming the system. Why should I pay my taxes? If, yeah. if you know other people can get away with it. That's the problem with what the Auditor General discovered in this report in this laxity of overpayment in the first place, and even worse, laxity of collection of the overpayment. I was surprised we talked so much about CERB, right? I was surprised that it was actually the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program where the most sort of problems were found. I agree with you. I was even more critical of that program because I said, I argued then and now, if you are going to subsidize somebody because you're, you know, because of a a crisis, the pandemic, pay the money directly to the individual, not to the corporation. Don't use the corporation or the employer as the intermediary, because then you have even more muddied accountability. You're giving the money to the corporation to then have them keep people on the payroll. There was no way for CRA or the government to determine if, in fact, companies did what they were supposed to do in keeping people on the payroll. And and so and there was a lot of money there because there's over a million and a half corporations in Canada, most of them small, of course. And and so, again, was it was rife uh, the way it was established, almost encouraged you know, that famous phrase, fraud and abuse. And and it could have been, as I said, set up much more efficiently and quickly, I paradoxically, using the existing CRA tax infrastructure system. Ian Lee is with us, Associate Professor at Carleton University's Sprott School of Business. We're talking about the Auditor General's report today on 
Uh, all the money that went out the door, the $210 billion in payments that were distributed to individuals and businesses between early 2020 and mid-2022 to try to cushion the impact of the pandemic and lockdowns and so forth. Um, she found that about $27.4 billion is the minimum amount that should be investigated further and $4.6 billion in overpayments to ineligible recipients. Um, so what now, Ian? Do, do we try to chase all this money down? I gather that's really not feasible. Uh, we're just going to have to write off some of it, I imagine. I, I think that the uh, people may not realize this, but uh, the government does have wide, uh, any federal government has wide discretion over fiscal policy. And that includes the right, the, the authority, the legal authority to write off monies owed to the government. And uh, in fact, the Auditor General um, noted that today, saying, look, yes, the government does have the legal authority to waive and adopt a compassionate approach. But her point was, and I agree completely with the Auditor General, she said then they should be clear and transparent with Canadians and not use, you know, she didn't say weasel words, but she said they should come out and say, we have announced a policy, we're not going to go after this. And she said it would even be better if they introduced a bill in Parliament to to uh, normalize or legitimize that decision. I think that the government's trying to have it both ways, actually. They want to, in fact, the minister was quoted this afternoon, the minister responsible for the CRA said, well, we want to take a, a compassionate approach but uh, an efficient approach. Well, <laughs> they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. A compassionate approach is code for we're not going to go after the money. An efficient approach is, yeah, we're going to go after you for the money. And you can't do both. So I think that they're trying to have it both ways, you know, in the sense they don't want to anger people who think that they're being uh, excessively harsh, uh, you know, as we approach Christmas. And then there's other taxpayers who are going to say, well, why aren't they paying their taxes or, or money's owed to the government when I have to pay mine? And I, I think ultimately their government is not is going to announce that they're not going to collect this money i don't think they're going to well, at least uh, they not, could. not not chase it too hard right that that's right i mean they may go after a few sort of high profile people to create you know the symbolic uh, new the announcement that they are but i i don't think that that they're going to go after most of the the overpayments you know there's lessons for the for the future and uh, you know if we do this again i mean in another crisis mm-hmm. that a targeted approach using CRA, I think, is is much superior uh, to the approach they adopted. And so my point is, we already had very generous and proper, responsible social safety net in effect. And so this argument that they had to pump out another two-thirds of a trillion dollars in total spending, according to the PBO, because of this apocalypse, I thought was a an overshoot an overreaction by the decision makers who panicked at the time at the, of the pandemic in that in uh, spring, uh, summer, fall of 2020. There was some Scotiabank research out this week as well that looked into the impact of that money sloshing around in our system. I know the opposition likes to make a lot of it in terms of its impact on inflation on inflation so far, uh, but it did find there was there was, it did have an impact. Not not it's not the predominant impact on why we're seeing such high inflation, but it did play a role. I completely agree. I strongly believe that. And of course, we didn't cause this didn't cause inflation. I, I, You know, it's not fair to say that this caused inflation. Inflation did come in from outside war in Ukraine, escalating energy prices and so forth. But it is equally uh, wrong to deny that it, all this money being injected in the system had no impact whatsoever. It did. In fact, the way I like to put it, we they put so much money into the system, both federal and provincial, but primarily federal we couldn't spend all of it. In fact, we ended up 
And this has been documented by the Bank of Canada. We ended up banking $300 billion. They gave us so much money. We couldn't even spend all of that money. There wasn't enough stuff to buy. And, and that exacerbated the inflation uh, forces in our economy by pumping all that huge amount of fiscal money into the system, as well as the ultra low interest rates of the Central Bank of Canada, lower at one quarter of 1% than the lowest interest rate during the Great Depression of Canada that lasted 10 years. They never went so low as we did during the pandemic. Well, the chickens have come home to roost, have they not, have they not they, in the last yes. six months? Yeah, oh, they, they, yes, absolutely so. I think we will learn from this for future in future times. You know, I'm talking future decision makers will uh, make sure that they, you know, cool their jets a little bit. And I mean by that, it's not that we shouldn't be compassionate. Of course not. But we already have developed over 70, 80 years in this country, uh, just a plethora of, of a, a social safety net programs, everything from EI to regional economic development to public health care, you know, to subsidize, massively subsidized university and college education to social assistance, to GST rebates, to HST, carbon tax rebates. I mean, people don't realize because the programs are disaggregated, but when you add them up and StatsCan has done so, we are spending, and I'm not talking pandemic, I'm talking pre-pandemic. We're spending $500 billion a year on the the aggregate uh, safety nets uh, in Canada. So we already have a very good system in effect, and it didn't vanish when the pandemic arrived. So what we needed to do is be much more strategic and targeted at, during that time, instead of just saying, look, we're going to throw gazillions of dollars at the wall and hope some of it sticks. And that some of it comes back. Ian Lee, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Ben. Thanks.